Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. So it's July 17th. It is July 17th. Okay, I just needed that reminder because it kind of feels like fall this morning. Yeah, and I, I can't lie, I'm enjoying it. That's why I busted out my Badgers hat. I know, I'm wearing a hooded sweatshirt today. Yeah. I was and like, I don't get many opportunities in the summer to wear one, so I'm going to wear one today. So you know what I had to do before you came here? What's that? Take my boys to football practice. Oh my goodness, that started already. It's it's not quite, It they have a camp this week and then there's like a one week break and then football full on starts well that's good that's exciting yeah that's exciting for me they're not very excited about it no well i mean football is the thing where like you go through all of the pain and the misery for the game yep yep but like How many people actually love, I tell the boys that all the time, like, who actually loves football practice? I don't know. Yeah, I I can't say that I did when I was there. The nature of football is, like, you hate all the prep work. Yes, but then it's like whoever takes the prep work the most serious is the most prepared for the game. Well, I just keep telling them, like, you go through all of this basically for, like, junior and senior year Friday nights. (laughs) Yeah. But it's worth because I mean I think that's what's so important about bringing them to those games yeah. is you start to see like oh one day like I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing this I'm gonna be there when everyone's watching and so well that's exciting but no it definitely feels like fall yeah it, I told um, Les did announcements on Sunday and that's what she mentioned something about summer being half over and um, you could just hear all the groans from yeah. everybody it was it was tough so um, but yeah it's and I apologize if this is a shorter one. I was telling you, I forgot to bring my charger, so I'm watching the battery. So if I see it's about to die, we might do a real quick prayer. But I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, we got about two minutes to pray. So I think Monday mornings, I, I love that we do it on Monday mornings. I feel like it's the most real because yeah. we are always... I'm always shooting you a text like, hey, I'm running a few minutes late and I'm feeling kind of jumbled. And it's like, well, that makes it... Again, much more relatable, I think, to everyone yeah. else listening. It's not super curated. For sure. Well, so yesterday's sermon, I was feeling particularly lazy, so I didn't take any notes. So we're going totally off the cuff here. I like it. But I do recall one of the thoughts that I had. This is going to be an odd way to start out. But did you realize that you were quoting Bob Dylan philosophy? You know, um, you know maybe not. Dylan. Well, I know Bob Dylan. Maybe not specifically, no. but I, I knew that it's it's one of those where I, I felt like it was probably something that would resonate with people because it's something that has been said before, but we tend to forget. Well, so um, when we lived in Indiana for a couple of years, we had an awesome pastor there who we got to know pretty well, and he was an old hippie. Okay. So back in the day, he and he was a phenomenal musician he would play he had this 
it was a six string banjo. So it was like uh, a guitar yep, yep. banjo. I don't know what you call that. I think they just call them guitar banjo. Oh, he played that in worship all the time, and I just loved it because I love like the southern rock mm-hmm. sound, and that's like where he came from. Yeah. And so he would always in his sermons quote old Bobby Dylan. <laughs> that's what he how he referred to him, and basically that we all serve somebody. Yes. And if you and I just when we were prepping here I looked up the lyrics to the song and he said we all serve someone either the Lord or the devil. Yes. And well, you were basically saying that yesterday. Well, we all worship and I agree. Right, I right. mean the Bible even says too you're going to serve yeah. you're going to serve something. But I think it's like just trying to explain and I think last week and we we didn't do a podcast last week so we can kind of cover that too. Just, just tried to like, because when I talk to people, I hear so often like, I'm just not good at worship. Maybe someday I'll, I'll be better at worshiping. And it's like trying to get them to understand like you already know how to worship. Like the, the whole point is not to get better at worshiping because like you're already good at it. And that's, I gave the example of going to a Packer game, but it could be whatever. Like when you see something that like is just you're in awe of, like right. you know how to respond to that like like your heart already knows how to worship the hard part is is getting your heart zeroed in on what you know it should actually worship yeah and i think that's that's the whole point of of worship of having a time in a service where we are all committing to say in this time we are focused in and we're getting our hearts locked in on jesus and on our father because our hearts will then worship when we get them directed at God. And, um, but I think it's like, just even, even the most, the quietest person who is super like, you know, not, you know, outgoing or whatever, they're great at worshiping. Like we all are. So you're talking a lot about the form of worship that is song Mm -hmm. or, you know, singing. Yep. Um, but when you talk, and, and so are you talking specifically about that? Or are you talking about, because like when you start to really like dissect worship and certain parts of the Bible that even talk about worship, sometimes it is specifically about song. Yeah. But other times it's about the grander, the bigger picture worshiping. And there's lots of ways that we can worship. So sometimes we even say, when we talk about tithing in church, that one way to worship yes, the Lord yes. is through tithing. Yep. Yep. Um, and well, and I'm, so that's a great question. Cause I am like, so this coming week, we're going to get more into worship in, in a broader okay. sense. Um, but I think for most of us, it is when you, when you say worship, you think of that, that time yeah. in the service. Um, and I think, you know, I'm hoping that this turns into just a very balanced where people just understand a broader term of it. And I think this past week it was just because I was that person who I was always like, I was just a quiet person. I'm not someone that's overly like exuberant or whatever. And I was always someone that's like, I'm just not a singer, you know, what I just am not. And to, to just really lay out that the Bible is so clear that like using your voice to worship God whether it's corporately or by yourself, is incredibly important. It's incredibly powerful. And if you're a Christian, I just, I don't think, I, I think you would be wise to to utilize that and not give yourself that excuse of like, well, I'm just not a singer. Because it's like, 
it doesn't matter. There's power in using your voice to praise God and just trying to cast that vision. Because I don't know if everybody knows that, like truly understands that that is a, a powerful thing in your walk with God to use your voice to praise him and to, to sing of who he is. So, yeah, so as I was saying, there's like lots of forms of worship. You're going to get more into that. Yeah. So we're going to focus a little bit more on the song part of it. And I do think that as depending on where someone is at in their faith, most people who are maybe not super mature in their faith, when you say worship, they're going to think of song or yes. the part of a service. Yes. Um, but what you're going to do is expound on that and yeah. talk more about so we can cover that later. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to the song, um, I'm kind of losing my train of thought. So you, you can I mean. lead to the next thought. Oh, sure. And I, well, and I, come I think because one of the points that I was like, I feel like I do this every time I, I give a sermon. That's why I love this podcast is like every time I'm done, I'm like, I wish I would have went a little deeper on this point or that point. But then the problem is if I would actually do that, my sermons would be two and a half hours long and yeah. no one would remember any part of it. But um, I think just just understanding that like, I don't want to get too deep into it just because I'm someone that has led worship and, and I, I have spent a lot of time thinking about it. But there are different types of worship songs that you sing. And they, they have different reasonings behind them. And they're all biblical. And that's one, you know, I, I see a lot of people that, that tend to want to think like, okay, I like hymns because they, they only talk about God. And anytime we start to talk about us, then that's like watered down. That's, you yeah. know, I've heard the term meology before um, to kind of try to downplay but then it's like well when you read the book of psalms david talks about himself a lot like that's a very biblical thing to do is to talk so you have you have you have songs that are just talking about god's characteristics that are incredibly valuable just god you are this and mm -hmm. i will sing of this you are faithful you are good you are whatever then there's songs that talk about you know my life and declaring truth over your life and and there's all sorts of other songs that are even just prophetic of like i know this is what you are going to do um and there's different types of of worship songs and that's what I've, i'm a big proponent of having a good mix of all of them because they all have value but i think you know in, in part of the sermon where i was talking about is just the power of declaring things over yourself because most of us even out loud are declaring really bad things over ourselves right. throughout the week. And um, the Bible's like the power of life and death is in the tongue. Like you're literally speaking death over yourself. Like you're a loser. Nobody likes you. This is why nothing good happens to you. This is like you're, you're speaking these things. And we tend to think, well, they're just words. But the Bible is like literally you're speaking curses over yourself. So to have a time where you are declaring God's truth with your voice, you're literally speaking life over yourself. You're speaking blessings over yourself. And it, there's something that happens in your brain when you out loud say truth to yourself. And that's one of the purposes of worship is you're taking the time to say, God, here's your truth. And I'm not just going to read it. I'm going to like actually vocally declare this truth yeah. in song. 
so that my, my brain hears it. My ears hear me, myself declaring this. And I don't think you can overstate the importance of that. Right. Well, not only did I lose my train of thought before you <laughs> said that, but now we have tractors outside the window. So this is a true mm-hmm. uh, experience. Here Absolutely. You guys are so. here with us. Well, and it's your bird clock is probably going to go off here pretty soon. Oh, yeah. A couple minutes from the bird. Yeah. The red winged blackbird. So well, so, but what I was going to say is it's built into our human nature to want to worship. Yes. And we see that. Um, so, like we started out saying, everyone worships something yeah. because it's human nature. We do that. And you see it all around us, yeah. um, how people treat celebrities, how people, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, watch sports, how people spend their money and all there's lots of different ways that we see it but if you even go back to like look at how kids are and even what jesus says about childlike faith yeah um it's it's built into us to do that so like when people talk about worship in a service or worship through song and say i don't really do that well it is in your nature to do it yeah but as people live life and become influenced by the world around them, worshiping God sort of falls out of favor in their life for these other distractions around them. Yes. But when Jesus talks about childlike faith, they haven't been tainted by all of that stuff around us yet. Yes, I agree. And I think so much of it too, and I tried to hit on this a little bit, is there we go. I'm going to let you guys just enjoy that because you're getting the full experience. Um, I, ooh, now I lost my train of thought. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to get it. It's a Monday. It's it a, is. It's a real it Monday. Um, so oftentimes what will happen is that we observe how other people worship and we, we then formulate opinions about them and opinions about us at the same time. So if, if we see someone worshiping differently than how we worship, um, we, we first of all formulate an opinion about them of like, is that right? Do I agree with that? Do I like that? Is that annoying to me? Is that whatever? But then we also then turn it on us of like, well, I don't worship like that. Am I not good enough? Are they a better Christian than me? And you can easily get inside of your own head when it comes to worship. And I think that just kind of ruins the whole experience for you. And, and when I say experience, I truly mean like having an encounter right. with the living God. And I think that that's one of the, one of my main points is like, if you worship out of a true overflow of your heart, because that's what the Bible says, out of, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So However you're singing, however you're worshiping, if that if you can truly say this is just an overflow of my heart, um, it's gonna look very different for for everybody else. And I think part of that is you know not being distracted by how everybody else is doing it and not wanting it to be exactly the same. Like I think that that's one of the problems is we want to go to a church and have everybody's response to worship look exactly the same. 
but that's just that's not how God made us and to right. allow for like the overflow of each person's heart to be a little different I mean now the Bible does give some boundaries to that that I think we have to respect but I think it's like getting over that that it's going to look different and that's okay. And it doesn't have to be that, you know, if someone worships different than you, one of you has to be right and one of you has to be wrong. It could just be that you're different people and the overflow of your heart just looks different as, right. as you worship, you know. And there's like two sides to that coin. So if the way we worship is really heavily influenced by those around us, um, on one hand, we could see people's non-worship of the Lord and and be influenced by that. Yes. Or their worship of other things outside of the Lord and yes. be influenced by that and feel pressure to do the same thing. Yes. You know, feel pressure to have the right things, to, to build the right image, to, you know... Ha- all the things of the world mm-hmm. that slowly cause us to drift away from the Lord and all the, and then so there's a push toward the world and a pull away from the Lord and so that can happen but then on the other hand if we feel moved to worship the Lord um and in any kind of way whether it be an expressive way or through song or however you want mm-hmm. to describe it and we sort of overcome whatever it is that is maybe keeping us from doing that. By doing that, we may be influencing someone else yeah. to do actually do that, who is feeling the same pull, Yes. but it has not been able to overcome whatever it is that force around us from the rest of the world that's kind of suppressing it. Absolutely. I agree completely. And I, I, I've heard multiple stories of people who have said like, Hey, I've, I've wanted to, you know, raise my hands, but I I didn't know. And I needed that one person in front of me to do it. So that way I had permission to, and you know, I, I think there's just, the other thing that we have to be careful about is, is just feeling like it's our job to, to, well, and I've said it already, is, is just to, to judge and determine how other people are worshiping if, it's, if we approve or not. Right. I, I just think that that takes our focus away from what we're doing. If we're looking around feeling like we, we have to decide whether we approve of what everybody else is doing or, and it, and it goes both ways. And that's like, you know, cause you have people who are very exuberant worshipers that could easily look around and say, well, that person isn't raising their hand. What's their yeah. problem? Why don't they learn how to worship? And you can have it the other way, that person who's quietly in reverence singing to God from their heart. And like, why does this person have to have to be, you know, putting attention on themselves like that? They should be able to, it, it's so easy for us to, to look around and decide whether we approve or not. But ultimately we have to understand that like God's the one who determines whether worship is acceptable or not. Like we don't determine that. Like I said, there's some clear things in the Bible that would say like, okay, if you're clearly drawing attention to yourself, if you're, if you're clearly just going outside of how the Bible truly instructs worship, 
then that would be my job as a pastor to take care of that. So I think for each of us to have that freedom to be like, you know, this is, this is between me and God and he's right. the one that decides wh- how, if someone else's worship is acceptable or not. And he's the one deciding whether mine is acceptable or not. And if my focus is watching everybody else and deciding if it's right or wrong, then chances are my worship in that moment isn't acceptable to God right. because I'm not giving him my attention at all. So one thing we haven't touched on yet that you talked quite a bit about yesterday was the fact that our outward expression is indicating or is an overflow of what's in our heart. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think we need to be, we need to be much more conscious of, of what we're doing, um, what we're saying, than we are of other people. Right. Because, you know, that's what I think is the most interesting is, you know, the Bible says that God doesn't look at the outward. He looks at the heart. So like when we're worshiping, you know, you could make the the case that God isn't even really listening to our words. He sees our hearts in it. And but if our hearts are full of worship, the Bible says our mouths will be full of worship. So it's almost like you can make the case that like our singing is more for us to know what's going on in our hearts than it is for God because he's looking past he the singing knows. into the yeah. heart. And so that's why it's so important to not fake it because the singing is like, that's evidence for you to know is your heart where it needs to be or not. Yeah. So that kind of leads to maybe the last question I was going to ask is, um, is this a salvation issue or how does this conversation tie in? I think, I mean, I read out of Romans ten ten. it says in your heart, you believe and are justified. And then with your mouth, you profess and are saved. And as I explained, you know, I, the Bible clearly states that you are not saved by saying the right words, right? Like that's, that's not it. But I think what it is, is the same thing with James and saying, if you do not have good works, you're not saved. Well, we know we're not saved by works, but it is this idea that like, if you are saved, these things are going to happen. So like, you need to look at this evidence because the Bible also states there are people who think they are saved and they're not. Now, that's a super uncomfortable statement Mm -hmm. for me to make, but the Bible is clear. I mean, this is the words of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, there are people who think that they're saved and they're not. So it's, you know, it's not that you're saved by worshiping right or by saying the right thing or doing good works, but the Bible is just like, if that happened, if you have received Jesus as your Savior, if His grace is in you, then these things will happen. So watch, like, look, the Bible says, work out your salvation with, with fear and trembling. Pay attention because if, and again, worship's gonna look different for everyone. So I wanna be very careful to not say, if you're saved, you're gonna be doing cartwheels during worship. That's not what I'm saying. But if, if nothing, if, if there's no praise or speaking about God coming out of your mouth, if you're always silent about the things of God, then I would say, as someone who loves you, you should really do a deep heart check. In the same way of like, if you do nothing for God, if like you your life doesn't serve God in any way, then you need to really do a real deep heart check to go, 
did I, was I truly transformed? Have I truly received that? These are uncomfortable things, but I think that's what the Bible tells us is here. This evidence is for you to see where you're at. Right. It's not for God. He, he sees straight to the heart. He knows yeah. at, at the core. And so I don't think it's a salvation issue in that you're saved by saying the right thing or by singing and worship. But if, if you can, if you can come to services consistently, because again, we all have off days. But if consistently, and this is just how it is, you come to a service where everyone's singing about God and you just have absolutely no interest in using your voice to, to talk or sing about the praises of God, then I would say you, you should look really deep and ask some really hard questions. So worship is an indicator yeah. of what's going on in our heart. Yep. And I think our, our mouths in general. And that's where I think even just... Yeah, worship is one of the main ways that we use our voice to glorify God, but it's also just all throughout our week. And that's where I even suggested to people, like, watch what you say. Like, like take, take a check of what you mumble under your breath when, like, something bad happens. Because those are indicators of, right. of what's happening in your heart. And you talked about God not needing worship. So like, it's pretty clear in the Bible that worship, we're like, we are to worship him. Mm -hmm. So like it is for him, yes. but he doesn't need it to know where we're at. Yes. However, we kind of need it to know where we're at. So yes. it has a different, it has a purpose for us and for God, but it's a different purpose for us and for God. Yes, and I'm glad, because I wanted to clarify that too. The Bible is clear that like our singing is a sweet smelling incense to him. So like, I'm, I don't want to say like God could care less about our singing. Right. But like you said, he doesn't need that. Yeah. He sees right to the heart. And the Bible is also clear that if we sing without our hearts, he does not care. So then like, maybe the other point there is like, if you're just faking it till you make it, he knows that as well. Yeah. I think that's the worst advice that anyone can ever give. And I, there's people who disagree and people who I really respect who disagree with me on that. I think faking it until you make it, again, there's versions of it that I agree with. If it's like, hey, you're really scared, but you're going to do it scared anyways, that's great. Like mm -hmm. that's not faking it. That's literally just doing it scared, mm -hmm. which is very different than faking it. But I would, I would never give that advice to fake it till you make it because I, I don't see in the Bible where it's like, if you say the right thing, it causes a change in your heart. It's always the other way around. When there's a heart change, it changes how you talk. Yeah. And so if you're like, well, I'll just go through the motions and eventually that'll change my heart. Again, there's... And I apologize. I feel like I'm dominating this, but it's, it's, there's, there's, there's a difference between discipline, which is, I don't feel like doing this right now, but I know that it's yeah. good for me. So I'm going to do it anyways. There's a difference between that and faking it. And I think that sometimes we get those two messed up. And I was just having a conversation with this about, with somebody where it's like, if you're trying to lose weight, and you're like, I feel like eating a cupcake, but I'm going to eat a salad. Like, that's not faking it. That's discipline. That's just like, hey, I don't want to do this, but I, I know. Like, I think Craig Rochelle gives the definition of discipline as choosing what you want 
or giving up what you want now for what you want most. Yeah. That's discipline. So to come to church on a Sunday and being like, hey, I'm tired. I, uh, I'd rather be in bed. This is like, I don't really want to sing. I'm not saying, well, you're not saved then. It's that it's that if it's consistent throughout yeah. your life, if that makes sense. Yep. So that's where I, this is one of those. I know I'm talking a lot, but it's one of those where there's a lot of clarifying that needs to happen because yeah. I think there's a lot of ways this can be taken out of context of there's going to be times where you don't want to sing like and then that's just discipline to sing. Right. But if your heart has no desire to sing ever to just go through the motions I don't think that's the right route to go. Right. I think dealing with the heart first is a much better way to deal with that. So maybe the last thing, um, do you have any quick thoughts on how someone can deal with their heart? I think it's, as I, as I talked about in the first week, I think it is, Getting your heart to acknowledge God, because that word acknowledge is used quite a bit, especially in the Old Testament, of not just knowing God, not just being aware, but acknowledging mm-hmm. Him. There's a couple parts that, first of all, you have to have knowledge of God. That's part of acknowledge. But then acknowledge also has to do with being focused on. So like, I know who you are, but I'm focused on and I mean, I can even be a little sappy right now is like, even with Les, um, I can go through seasons where it's like, I just don't appreciate her like I should. And I know her, I know how beautiful she is. But when I just take some time to just look, see how beautiful she is, see the color of her eyes, see the way she smiles. It's like, mm-hmm. it changes something in right. me because I took the time to focus And I believe that for all of us who are saved, if you take time to just think and and look at God, look at who he is and what he's done and how he loves and all of that, your heart just knows what to do. Yeah. But we have to, you know, Hosea says, press on to acknowledge him. Like you have to press through the distractions. You have to press through the junk and all your wounds and like it's work to acknowledge God. But I think that's the real work of worship. And I I personally, just from my own experience, I think it all starts with humble, yeah. humbleness. Yeah. Um, it requires humbling ourselves and admitting that um, we're broken, yeah. admitting that we're sinners, admitting that we need him. Yeah. And then I think from that posture, that heart posture, we start to see things differently. And and you start to view creation around us differently and you start to view the the ble- or notice the blessings that we have that we take for granted all the time and it's like one thing leads to another and all of a sudden your the term i like to use is stacking stones yeah. you start stacking stones and you start realizing how abundantly blessed we are yeah and that just seems to really change everything. But I, I truly believe that it has to start with us humbling ourselves. Yes, I agree. And I think it, because I don't think you can acknowledge God without being humbled. Because when you see who God is, and that's where I brought um, a couple weeks ago, I brought people to Job where he, you know, Job is going like, I'm righteous, I'm righteous. He's defending himself as righteous. And even... God said, yes, you are righteous as far as mankind goes. You're righteous. 
But then he goes from that to like, I repent in dust and ashes. And the only thing that happened is that God just showed Job who he was. Like God didn't say anything about Job at all. He wasn't like, no, you're actually not righteous. You're sinful. You're terrible. God just was like, here, let me show you the work of my hands. Let me show you who I am. And Job immediately went like, I repent in dust and ashes. And that's where he's like, I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. So I I repent. And it's like, that's part of the reason why we don't like to acknowledge God Mm -hmm. is it shows us, even if God doesn't say a word about us, it shows us our real state when we see the glory of God. Right. And that's why you would think like, of course people are going to want to see God's glory. Of course people are going to want to be in God's presence. And it's like, that's not actually the case. All the way back in the Israelites, when God showed up, the people were like, ah, Moses, why don't you go talk to God? And it was like, God wanted to talk to all of the, that was his design is I want to speak to all of my people. And they were like, that's a little much for us. That's a little scary for us. Why don't you talk to Moses and Moses can tell us that. And so I think for us, you can't assume that you even want to see God's glory because it is humbling and it is like a lot sometimes to see a perfect God because it it is going to make you aware of where you are. And so I think, like you said, if, if you're not, if you're not wanting to be humble and humbled, Worship is going to be really hard. Right. So you still have battery left? Oh, we're, we're actually really good. I think, I think God has anointed this computer. <laughs> okay. I think I actually prayed over it before we started. So, so but maybe we should quit while we're ahead. That's true. Or do you have that any way other you... parting thoughts before we end? Or? I don't, do you? I feel like I've talked through most of this. I feel bad like I dominated this one. No, I think it's fine. And I, I do think that this tends to be a topic that can easily get uh, complicated or made more complex than it needs to be. It is a fairly simple thing. And so maybe we don't want to overcomplicate it by adding more layers to it. Yeah, I agree. Well, because that was my whole heart of it is to simplify it. I just, I feel like at most churches, there's a good chunk of people who are like, I don't, really know why we sing these songs like what are we what am i supposed to be doing what am i supposed to get out of this i Um, think it is uh, one of the things that makes it harder is we are in a very stoic mm -hmm. culture here right well and that's one of the things is i wanted to even give permission to be like okay if that's who like if you can truly look in the mirror and say my heart is overflowing with worship and when we get together as as a community i use my voice to have my heart overflow if if that if you really can say that, then I don't want you to change anything right. about how you worship. So to even just give freedom to people of like, it doesn't, you don't have to be doing cartwheels. In fact, I would please ask you not to do cartwheels <laughs> just for insurance purposes. And also that would be very distracting. But to just give people that, like it doesn't have to look a certain way. Like if you know that your heart is overflowing with worship and you're letting that overflow out of your mouth, then you're good. Then like, you don't need to change anything. And if you look stoic, then you look stoic. Great. Like, I don't care. And so maybe one of the take homes out of this would be to just survey, ask the Lord to survey your heart. Yes. Um, Because it is going to look different for everyone. I'm just thinking of my kids, uh, for example. So like, they're not very expressive in worship Mm -hmm. on Sunday, but 
they're not very expressive in their baseball games either. In right. fact, half of the time I'm like, dude, are you excited? Are you not excited? Yes. Are you? And it's like the same no matter what. So it is going to look different for everyone. And don't try to judge other people's hearts because right. the Bible says you can't. So that person who's standing there staring forward and singing but doesn't look like they're really feeling it, you have no idea what's going on in that person's heart. Right. And like you, it's not your job to judge what, what they're doing or not doing. And um, because they might be having an absolutely life-changing, I've seen it. I've had people come up to me and say that worship service changed my life. And I was like, you look like you were ready to leave. Like you did not mm-hmm. look like you were enjoying that at all. And it's like just that realization of like, I, I don't know what's going on in yeah. people's hearts. So assume the best, assume the best of everybody during worship, assume that they are worshiping. And, um, I think that will free up a lot of our mental energy yeah. to then focus on God in our own worship. Well, I don't think we have to try to run out of battery. And I think that last statement was a pretty good way to end. So I feel good. You want to close us out? Sure. Lord, we just thank you for the beautiful weather this morning. And that is one of many reminders of your goodness around us. And I just pray for the hearts of every person, both Eric and I and everyone else listening Uh, that you just show us where we're at and give us a true uh, indicator of where we're at with our hearts. And and I do pray that each one of us in our own way will be led to worship you in a way that honors you and just shows that our our hearts are uh, fixed on you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.